Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is part one of our 30-team NBA draft analysis. So today we're going to begin with the Atlanta Hawks. So Jalen... They have picks 6 and 50 this year in the draft that is set to, set to take place in October. So, Jalen, who do you think the Atlanta Hawks are going to choose with the sixth pick? So I think the big thing when you're looking at the sixth overall pick, right, is that you know that you're out of contention for who's been the top three um, discussed in this draft over <laughs> what practically the last couple of months in particular being LaMelo Ball, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards. You know you're out of contention for those guys. Unless something dramatic happens, Charlotte decides to trade with somebody and everybody's kind of low on one of those three, which is highly unlikely because most of the time what's going to end up happening is somebody would trade up to get one of those three. You're basically under the impression that you got to go a different route. Now, my belief personally is that there's two big holes on the roster for the Atlanta Hawks. The first thing is backup point guard. When trading away Dennis Schroeder, although it might have been a big help locker room wise, considering that he did not want to be on that team when he wanted when he asked for a trade and ended up getting traded to the Oklahoma City Thunder. I also think that you you lost a lot of productivity that could have been there and it was proven with the fact that he was a six man of the year finalist this year and we're still awaiting um, the the votes for the award. They're missing point. They're they're missing a backup point guard bad. And when Trey Trey Young comes off the floor, the efficiency of this team plummets significantly. I think the other position that they have to take a look at is power forward slash center because John Collins is coming up for some big money potentially. The dude missed about twenty games earlier in the season with an infraction. Um, due to NBA policy. And when he came back, he put in work. We're talking about a 20-point-per-game score, at least seven to eight rebounds per game, relatively efficient within the paint. But do you want to pay a big guy the type of money they may have to pay him? I'm not necessarily sure because there's still questions as to how much further John Collins' game can go. With all of that being taken into consideration, right, I think this early on, they have to swing for the fences on that big man spot if and only if Onyeka Nkongu from USC is there. If he is available as Tankathon has him, I think you would be crazy not to give Trey Young an excellent pick and roll partner who is very, very efficient inside in terms of being a, a scorer inside the paint and plays crazy defense. No offense to John Collins, but defense is not really his specialty by any means. The best case scenario would be if they can keep Collins and also put Onyeka Okungwu on the same, on the court alongside him and have a guy like maybe Clint Capella come off the bench or maybe have Onyeka Okungwu come off the bench and it'd be a mixed match between John Collins and um, 
Anyaka uh, Ngongu, and of course, um, I believe that they traded for the former Rocket Center as well um, with Clint Capella. So, I mean, with that, I mean, in terms of trading for him, it just comes down to his health. But that would be a really good, like, three-man rotation in the big man spot. So at six, I'm going to say you get that power forward center position knocked out and you go for Anyaka Ngongu if he's available. If he is not, I think you tackle another ball handler and try to get a guy like Tyrese Halliburton from Ohio, uh, from Iowa State who doesn't need the ball as much when it comes to being able to create his own shot, score at will, things like that. But he's a good enough ball handler that should be able to steer the ship and run the offense when Trey Young is not on the floor. I agree with your logic in taking a power forward with the sixth overall pick. What I disagree with you with is the choice. I think that there's a chance, and this, this is kind of a stretch, but I think they select Isaac Akura with the sixth overall pick. I think this team is loaded with scorers. Of course, Trey Young is the first option on this team, and you have a lot of depth up front with John Collins, Dwayne Dedman, and Clint Capella, also in the backcourt with Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and DeAndre Hunter. But the one thing this team lacks it lacks is defense. Uh, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, and DeAndre Hunter are good wing scorers. However, they are not good wing defenders. I think if you pick up a guy like Isaac Okoro, he can make up for a lot of the defense that the Hawks lack. I don't think that I don't think your choice is a bad choice either, Jalen, because I think the Hawks really need defensive help. But I think the one thing that Okoro has is athleticism. He's an athletic defender that can give some of the best opposing players problems. And with him being added to a loaded team of scorers, I think a guy like Okoro can make up for a lot of the defensive issues the Hawks have had this season. I think, honestly, in response to that, I honestly don't hate that pick at all. Although it doesn't necessarily address, like, the power forward or center position, it does address the forward position, which has a lot of questions in it as well, considering that, like, we didn't see enough of Cam Reddish's development this year. On a month-by-month basis, if you actually check his statistics, he improved every single month leading up to the NBA shutdown. But there are still questions related to Herder, which I completely agree with because, you know, he was quote unquote, when they tried to build this Golden State like roster, he was supposed to be that Clay Thompson type of pick out of Maryland. And I really don't think that he's that guy. I mean, it's hard to, you know, right? It's hard to be Clay Thompson, right? <laughs> Not just as a scorer, but as a wing defender as well. But to even be a, a Clay Thompson light almost feels like it's asking way too much of Herder. And I just don't really know if he's that guy for their shooting guard, small forward position moving forward. I think Isaac Okoro is actually a pretty solid pick regardless of what you feel like the needs are for Atlanta. Because like you said before, and I think that was a great thing to hint at, Ryan, was we understand that this is not a defensive team. And Isaac Okoro, I wouldn't say shoots the three ball very efficiently, but when you have guys who can shoot the ball the way, for example, Trey Young can, Kevin Herter to a certain extent, Cam Reddish when he's, when he's hot, um, and he showed a lot of that at Duke that when it came to shooting three ball, he was their primary three-point shooter when around Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Trey Jones, these guys. 
So when you're around shooters, scorers, like you said beforehand, if you kind of just come in and get your bearings as an Andre Roberson or, ironically, also OKC teammate, a Lugans Dort, who just went off for 30 points but has been playing – who was playing a hellacious defense on James Harden throughout their series with the Houston Rockets. If you can make your name off of being a defender first on an all-offensive team – he, he could he could be a, a missing link for them that could help turn around their starting lineup. So I honestly like that pick as well. Yeah, and I think that Okongwu is a great need at the positional uh, help. And I think that, yes, that he, he really could be a compliment coming off the bench for a guy like Clint Capello or a guy like John Collins. I think Isaac Okoro also is a great pick in terms of just the general need of defenders. I think it's going to be interesting to see who Atlanta selects coming in to the 2020 draft with the sixth pick. Now transitioning to their other need, which is a backup point guard. Jalen, they have pick number 50. And this is a draft where I'm going to say this a lot, but I think there's going to be a lot of steals in this draft, especially late in the second round. So Jalen, who do you think they're going to select with the 50th overall pick? So I have to agree with you about the steals part of this draft. I honestly feel like there's a lot of diamond in the rough as players. I'm not saying anybody is a Giannis or anybody's a Kawhi Leonard in here where they maybe were taken a lot lower than what, you know, what we see their value to be right now. But I do see a lot of guys who are going to live up beyond where their draft selection are. Maybe not superstar caliber guys, but guys who are definitely going to be rotational players that are not just, you know, the 11th and 12th man off the bench when a blowout's taking place. When it comes to Atlanta, like you said before, and I mentioned it earlier, backup point guard is a huge need for them. And my prayer (laughs) is that they don't try to address it with that six pick. I think going the defensive route with a forward like a Coro or um, a power forward slash senior, uh, center like Onyeka is the right route to go with an early pick on that and go with two guys who have a lot of upside on that defensive end. Now, in terms of the backup point guard spot, I think the big questions are this. A, can they run the offense when Trey Young is off the court? And B, can they create their own shot? Because of the fact that similar to Trey Young, it seemed like when it comes to their backup situation, there's always only one guy who can really create for themselves. And even this year, I don't even necessarily know if they had that guy coming off their bench. And I felt like that's what helped, what made them struggle so much this year and didn't really help them much. I think they go three ways. There's three ways they can go with this. And with the 50th overall pick, it's kind of dicey. I think you can go with, Ashton Hagens out of Kentucky, defensive guard who he's a dog, man. Like <laughs> he is a dog. Period point blank when it comes to playing hellacious defense on the uh, on the on that end of the court. Um primary ball, one of the primary ball handlers in a three-guard lineup with uh Emmanuel Quickly and um Tyrese Maxey for Kentucky. He's used to being able to play on and off the ball, and I think that's going to help a lot in terms of how you might be able to pair him with Trey Young or even have him coming off the bench. The other two guys are hit or miss, depending on what, what, what you're looking for. 
Marcus Howard out of Marquette is a guy who he, right now he's projected to go 52nd to the Kings. I feel like if the Hawks can scoop him up beforehand, that might be a really good look for them because it gives them another shot creator off the bench because this guy can go get it. <laughs> in the Big East, this dude was one of the top scorers, not only in, in that conference, but across the crunch, across the country, and that was huge for them. The other guy is Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. I know it's the senior citizen pick, right, to go ahead and pick an older guy like that who, you know, doesn't necessarily have any crazy athleticism at the position, but he's only one of the most efficient scorers in the Pac-12, averaging 20 points per game once north of 40% shooting from the floor. And the dude the dude just got buckets. Like, I mean, he, he was one of the best players in the Pac-12. I don't see why he's even in the second round as a discussion if, you, if you're not factoring in the fact that he is a senior. So I think they could get a steal at 50 if they can get a guy like Peyton, Peyton Pritchard, who he's not going to average 20 <laughs> as a backup point guard. But I think that his ability to shot create and get his team involved and lead his team, similar to how he did in Oregon, as a second unit leader would be huge for a young team that still kind of needs some veteran leadership in the locker room, especially with Vince Carter calling it a quit. You know, I think Marcus Howard isn't a bad choice at all, considering that a lot of people thought that he was going to go pro after his first year at Marquette. Um, I think the interesting thing about Marcus Howard is that his ability to just create his own shot. I think that's really like one of his best parts of his game. And I feel like once he's on a hot streak, he really just can't stop. And I know the 50-point game that he had, I don't remember which specific game, but the 50-point game he had while he was a freshman, that's always going to be on my mind as considering like how great of a scorer he really is. I think a guy like Trey Jones isn't a bad choice either, and this is also considering if he even makes it to the second round. I see a lot of mock drafts that have him going in the late first round, but the mock draft on NBADraft.net has him going in the second round. I think it's an interesting choice to see, I guess, how he falls, considering also that there's a lot of questions about whether or not he can make NBA level threes and how he's able to produce offensively. I mean, I think the one the one thing that I really noticed about this draft is that there's a lot of great defenders, but not a lot of great offensive scorers and great shot creators and playmakers in this draft as, as we've kind of seen. But I think one of the, one of the more interesting picks, and I'm not really sure if he's going to fall this, this far, but I think if they get a guy like Cassius Winston out of Michigan state, that would be an absolute draft steal. I think he's maybe the most NBA ready player in this draft, considering that he's come from a great program in Michigan state with Tom Izzo, he knows how to win. He knows how to be a leader. And I know that he's going to take a backup point guard role in Atlanta, but I think I would go as far to say that he could be the sixth man of the year if he really stands out. I mean, Ryan, honestly, dude, you just got me over here like going crazy because I'm just thinking about all these different potential guys that could be lined up back there. And, you know, I mean – Again, like you mentioned beforehand, these are two guys who, when you look at them, it's like, 
are they even going to fall that far? Like it almost sounds crazy because when you talk about their, their, their potential, their production that they've already had on the floor for their respective college teams, it's like they don't even – to me, I don't feel like – I don't feel like Trey Jones will make the second round. I don't think that Cassius Winston deserves to be mocked as a second rounder just because he's a senior. I mean, he's an undersized guard as well, I guess you could say. But he's one of the most efficient pick-and-roll point guards in the league. Now, I guess you could say that also kind of goes with the fact that um, for their team, he was one of their primary ball handlers. He's probably their main ball handler, their go-to ball handler. And you could probably also say that his rapport with Xavier Tillman, um, Michigan State center, probably had a lot to do with why he was able to produce so well in the pick and roll. But John Collins and Clint Capella, especially Clint Capella, one of the better centers in terms of converting points off of pick and roll plate. And we saw that when he was linked with James Harden, when James Harden was at point guard. I'm not calling Cassius Winston James Harden or anything when it comes to overall offensive productivity. But if we're talking about running the pick and roll offense, which is the most prominent offense in the NBA right now, there's not a single guard in this draft more pick and roll heavy, more pick and roll ready than Cassius Winston is. And Trey Jones, the part that made me like shiver when you even mentioned his name of potentially dropping that far is first of all, if he drops that, that far down, there's too many GMs with some good Banyan in their room, smoking something seriously amazing that took all focus away from their draft board and a lot more focus on other things, not basketball related. Cause Trey Jones should not even sniff 50, but if he did, I think ironically enough, it wouldn't solve your backup point guard situation because he would end up being their two guard, an off ball two guard that can distribute the ball, plays hellacious defense, which would help cover a lot of the deficiencies when it comes to Trey Young's ability to play off, play on a lot of the top guards in the league from a defensive standpoint. I feel like Trey Jones would be like the perfect like one-two punch complement in terms of ball movement, offense to defense between him and Trey Young. I just think that pairing would be like ridiculous. Now, of course, you don't reach on you don't reach on Trey Trey Jones and take him at six because you don't know if he's gonna drop to 50. But I mean, dude, that would I mean that would honestly be a great pairing. And I mean, I'd love to see it. I think it's highly out of the cards, unfortunately, but either one of those guys, Ryan, I think would be amazing pickups. And like you said beforehand, big time bowl bowl esque steals that late in the draft. I think with all that taken into consideration, we've kind of got an idea of a certain amount of names, a different type of, uh, a different sets of guys that we might have um, in the, uh, in the fray in terms of who we think might, qualify or who the Atlanta Hawks might think uh will be available around these these picks on their board I would say my question to you is out of all the positions that we've spoken on out of all the players that we've talked about whether it's at the sixth pick or the 50th pick what is the main position that you genuinely feel like they need to address and if you don't have a position in particularly considering this Atlanta Hawks team is still a young team building and might need to address a lot of different areas. 
who is the one player that you feel like you do not want to see Atlanta leave the 2020 draft without taking? They're a must must pick up player you want to see them leave this draft with? That's a really good question. And as much as I want to think that, you know, not getting Cassius Winston is a bad idea and considering the fact that, you know, they need a point guard, a backup point guard, and it's basically like their insurance policy at this point. But I think they really need to get a guy like Isaac Okoro or um, the guy from USC. I think if you get one of those guys, considering the fact that, yes, there's a chance that John Collins is eventually going to leave and he'll get a payday somewhere, possibly Atlanta, but I think you're going to have to account for the fact that, yes, even though you need a backup point guard, I think the bigger need right now for Atlanta is defense. I would not be mad if they chose Onyeka Okongwu from USC, but overall defender, I think you have to go with Isaac Okoro. And yes, maybe it's a reach, like I said earlier, to get him with the sixth overall pick. But I think there's a strong there's a strong feeling that he could turn out to be a great star and boost the defensive credibility of the Atlanta Hawks next season and maybe turn them into a possible playoff team. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be that that sort of a pick because I know it's it's probably a stretch to say that, you know, he can change the team, change the uh the defensive mechanisms of the team like once he gets there, but I just I think there's something about Isaac Okoro going to the Atlanta Hawks that seems like a perfect fit. How about you? I mean, honestly, I I think Isaac Okoro is an excellent pick for their team. I think the biggest question is whether or not he his he has any redundancy with Cam Reddish, but that's on Cam Reddish as well, though. Cam Reddish, like I said earlier on, developed on a month-to-month basis, and we didn't get to see the overall totality of his development because of the NBA stoppage and, of course, their team not being in playoff contention. But this is a guy who has the framework, the body build, the game style that was compared to a Paul George prior to um, his first year, prior to his uh, freshman year at Duke. He does have that type of smooth style to his game, and he has the kind of frame where if he were to lock down on the defensive end, I'm not saying he could be a Paul George duplicate, but he could sure as hell be a Paul George light, and I think that that would be huge for their team. And him stepping up defensively at that wing position, he can can guard the one through three, which would help them significantly in that department. I think that Okoro is um I think he's a hit for this team regardless I just have to lean a little bit closer to the Onyeka pick and I think it really just has a lot to do with a like you mentioned before that their feelings on John Collins and paying him a hefty a hefty salary I really think that has a lot to do with all of this because I mean there's a question is Obi Toppin in this question or in this conversation in terms of power forwards potentially being picked up I feel like for the trajectory of this team, Obi Toppin's a little bit older of a player, and I feel like he doesn't fit their timeline, which is why I felt like Onyeka, who would still hopefully be available around that time, would be a good fit. My biggest concern may just be the fact that having him and Clint Capella makes it where you essentially have two rim-running defensive centers on your team, and you can't really play them at the same time because there's no real true floor spacing there. And that would probably be my biggest concern about them. But if John Collins is still in this mix, 
then Onyeka Nkongwu still can fit because of his ability to mix and match on the floor between him being on the floor with John Collins or Clint Capella being on the floor with John Collins. And either way, you have a rim defender and a big, and a big man scorer on the floor as a combo. I, I think that Onyeka is the, the pick if they can do it, but I would not be mad at Isaac Okoro being at wing defender for them because, I mean, they need help on defense, like you said before, bro. They, they need help on that side of the ball bad if they want to start making a run at even sniffing the playoffs to begin with. So that's a good transition to our question of the day for our fans. For the Atlanta Hawks, what do you feel like is their biggest need? Do you think they need a point guard? Do you think they need an overall defender? Who you guys feel should be the sixth pick or the 50th pick? This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure you rate us five stars on Apple and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.